were in a series called I Quit, and as soon as I told people that we're going to be talking about the things that we're going to quit, people were like, oh, that's weird. I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, let me just tell you, just in case you don't understand, that the Bible calls this walk of faith, they actually call it more like a, like a marathon. Like, like, like an athlete, you know, Michael talked about it this morning. Uh, Pastor Michael talked about it this morning. Hope uh, he doesn't find out I just called him Michael. Um, but it's more like a marathon. And in order to win a marathon, you need to let go of things that hinder you so that you can run faster and not be hindered. So I realized in 2017, instead of making resolutions to do more, I don't think that's our problem in our society. I think maybe we're doing too much. So, I want to identify four things in this series that are keeping you from experiencing the fullness that comes with running the marathon that God has marked out for you. Today, we're talking about letting go of making excuses. Making excuses. And so that's what today's message is about. Just want to give you a heads up. And uh, in case you guys are wondering why I'm not answering any questions uh, maybe you texted, in your, you texted in your questions this week. Actually, what we've decided to do is we want you to continue to text in your questions, but instead of me answering it here on a Sunday night, we've actually launched our YouTube channel. And I'm going to be, yeah, yeah, another Joey James spectacular. Um, so you can find out about the YouTube channel while on Facebook and, you know, Instagram. We'll, we'll, we'll provide links but there's also a link to our YouTube channel from our website. So we don't actually have a URL yet because YouTube's like funny like that. And you like, you have to wait 30 days and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, so if you ask the question or, and you don't hear it tonight, or if, you don't, you're, or if your answer's not satisfied tonight, well, please, please, please check out our YouTube channel for your answers because I am specifically, we're, we're, we're going to be launching our, our services on YouTube, and we will also be launching our questions on YouTube. So you'll get two pieces of content every week, um, and hopefully it'll help you, you know, live a life that God has called you to live in freedom, okay, and help you belong before you believe and leave with more Jesus than you came with. Tonight, there's one question I want you to remember. If you're taking down notes, you can write this question down, because this is the only question that matters the whole, like, out of all the stuff that I say, you may not... Remember anything, or everything, I'm sorry. You may remember a lot of things. But sometimes the main focus of the message can get lost. But this question, I think, is really pertinent to tonight and potentially for the rest of 2017. The question is, what are the excuses are you holding on to that will keep you from experiencing your portion? What are the excuses that you are holding on to that are keeping you from experiencing your portion. See, excuses are something that we learn early on. Excuses are something we learn in middle school or high school because our parents used excuses when we needed to be absent from school. We made excuses when we wanted to be absent from school. In fact, I was online this week, and um, there's some school that was printing out all the the excuses that parents would write for their kids about why they weren't able to make the academic, like, you know, government academic test for that day. And I actually uh, have those questions, or I have those excuses up for you right now. And 
keep in mind that these are parents making excuses while their kid for for why their kids cannot attend an academic association. Okay? First first excuse. Oh, this is in Tillamook County. The first excuse we have on the screen is called Dear School. That's how they started the sentence. Dear School, please accuse John for bring absent January 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33? <laughs> I know. The next, and this is a mom or a dad. I don't know. Uh, the next excuse was I kept Billy home because he had to go Christmas shopping because I didn't know what size she wore. Okay. She wear. Sorry. I shouldn't try to fix her, you know. Please excuse Ray Friday. He has loose vowels. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go, go loose vowels. So, A, E, I. <laughs> Sometimes, why? No. <laughs> Sorry. All right, next one, next slide. Please excuse Diane from, bring, uh, from being absent yesterday. She was in bed with Gramps. Ooh, cringy face. Uh, please excuse Jimmy for being it's his father's fault oh poor poor Jimmy's father my son my son is under a doctor's under a doctor's care and shouldn't take PE today please execute him thanks to Dolores Maldeos so anyways we learn to make excuses. It becomes part of our natural vocabulary. And it's something that we, 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 we've learned to do in school. And it's, it's a way for us to justify some of our irresponsible behavior. Right? But that's, it's, fun, it's funny to talk about it in school. And it's something that we do f- for ourselves and when we, you know, break commitments with people and, such, and things like that. But what about the excuses that we make towards God? What about the excuses that we make towards God? I make excuses towards God. Again, the question for tonight is what are the excuses that you are holding on to that's keeping you from experiencing the portion that God has for you today? Please keep that question in mind. Would you pray with me as uh, we get started in tonight's message? Lord, we know that your word never returns void. And that by, by merely opening up your Bible, it has the ability to transform our lives. I pray that these hearts would be ready for transformation. I pray that today would be a day that they would remember as a, mo- as a turning point, as a tension point, where they made a decision to live out the dream that you've made for them, to stop making excuses and start living a dream that they cannot accomplish without your help. We ask that you speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, and speak through my mouth. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. All right, open your Bibles to Luke 14. Luke 14, or open your Bible apps. And if this is your first time and you don't have a Bible app, you don't have a Bible, we're stoked that you're here because this is a place where you can belong, whether or not you believe the things we do. And in fact, if you don't believe the things that I am saying, Please ask me. Ask questions. Text me the questions. They're all anonymous. And the the phone number is at the bottom, and I would love to respond. But today in Luke 14, Jesus is invited to a party. Someone say party. Party. 
parted. See, I often think of Jesus either at the cradle or at the cross. I don't normally expect to see him at a party. That's like seeing your professor at Walmart. And right? you're like, what are you doing here? I expect you to live in the cabinet at school and come out like 15 minutes before class starts. But no, that's not the case. Jesus is at another party. And the Pharisees invite Jesus over to this party for entertainment's sake, because what they try to do is trick him into healing somebody on the Sabbath as if that's a wrong thing to help somebody on a Saturday. And for Jesus, it's no problem at all. So he does, and people are starting to question him because these Pharisees think they're going to outsmart the Savior. (laughs) I don't think so. And so... Uh, Jesus is at this dinner party trying to be outwitted by these people and that's not working and things are starting to get awkward and Jesus is starting to teach people about their pride, about their arrogance and where they're sitting at a table. You should read it, verses 1 through 14. But today we're talking about 15 because now Jesus is in the middle of the party and things are tense and things are awkward and there's somebody in the party that stands up and tries to lessen the tension. You know what I mean? Lessen the tension? There's statements that people use to try to lessen the tension. Back in the 94 riots, people would lessen the racial tension by saying what? Can't we all just get along? Well, there's a reason why we're not getting along here. So don't miss the lesson in the tension. Verse 15 is a man who's trying to ease the tension in the room. And he says, when one of those at the table, well, well, he hasn't talked yet, actually. Verse 15, when one of those at the table heard him, he said to Jesus this, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Ooh. Is, can, can, you, can you feel that tension in the room? Because guess what? He, he thinks he's on common ground. This man thinks that everybody at this banquet, everybody at this dinner party is going to heaven. And he stands up and says, Plus, blessed is, is the one who eats at the kingdom of God. We're us Jewish people. We're all good. Rabbi Jesus, you're, you're, you're welcome to. You know, we're all going to be eating at the kingdom of God, right? 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 And instead of lessening the tension, Jesus takes it up a notch. He does. And he says, speaking of the kingdom, let me tell you who's actually getting in. And then we have verse 16. Let me continue to read that. Jesus replied, what is Jesus replying to? There wasn't a question. Anyways, Jesus has his, he's got his thing. I don't know how, how many of you would want Jesus at your, at your uh, dinner party, but it would, it would be really interesting and convicting. Here we go. <laughs> Jesus replied, a certain man, he's telling a story. Jesus replied, Jesus replying, Jesus is replying to the misconception about heaven. So Jesus is replying. A certain man was preparing a great banquet. Someone say great banquet. He invited many guests at the time of the banquet. He sent out his servant to tell those who have been invited, come, everything is ready. But, oh, it's a big but. Pay attention to that but. Because that is the but in the story that tells you when things go wrong. But 
they all alike began to make what? What did they make? How many of you know you can either make excuses or you can make progress? But these people chose to make what? They made excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five oak of oxen, five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another said, I just got married, so I can't come. <laughs> I don't know if there's any married people, but I don't know if that's a good excuse, but we'll see. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became very angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets, alleys, and the towns and bring the poor, bring the crippled, and bring the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done. But there is still room. Someone say, there's still room. There's still room. Then the master told his servant, then go out into the roads and the country and the lanes and compel them. Someone say, compel. Compel them to come in so that my house may be full. God wants a full house. Cue the music. Oh, never mind. God wants a full house. I tell you, Jesus is talking, I tell you not one of those who were invited will get to taste of my banquet. Let's not miss the lesson in the tension. See, oftentimes, when there's tension points in our life, we want to lessen it. We want to run from pain. We either medicate or we isolate. But if you try to lessen the tension, you will miss the lesson in the tension that Jesus wants to teach you. Whether it's boyfriend situation, whether it's school situation, whether it's occupation situation, whether it's parental, whatever your situation is, don't try to lessen the tension. Instead of asking God why, ask God, what are you trying to teach me instead? Don't try to, miss, don't try to lessen the tension. In fact, the Bible says, in addition to this, that people who choose to follow Jesus, well, they're, they're, they're like precious silver. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're precious. So precious. You're so precious. You're precious. Yeah. You're precious. But you know how silver's made, right? There's a refinement process in silver. In um, Psalm 66.10 says, For you, God tested us. You refined us like silver is refined. Isn't that sweet, beautiful, poetic? Well, actually, it's actually very harsh. Because the way silver is refined is that they pour the metal into a big pot and they heat it up. And it's through the fire that silver starts to reveal itself and the impurities start to rise to the top. How many of you know when things get heated, the, the ugly parts to you st- of you start to rise to the surface and people start noticing? See, it's through the tension you're purified. Don't try to run from it. Run towards God instead. And so this, the silver gets separated and the impurities rise to the top and the silversmith scrapes. So there's fire and there's scraping and there's tension and there's fire and more scraping and scraping. 
And it's only through the tension you are starting to get rid of your pride, get rid of your anger, get rid of your selfishness, get rid of your narcissism, get rid of your, your greed. But that comes only through tension. There are a few things that Jesus wants to teach these Pharisees, but I don't think he's only teaching Pharisees tonight. I think he's teaching us tonight. But we can't miss the lesson in the tension. The first lesson, which I think is awesome, that Jesus teaches us in this story of this great banquet. And the first lesson, which is actually not as depressing as the last point, but uh, this, the thing that you should know is that, that the kingdom of God is like a great banquet. Verse 16, it says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many, many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent out his servants to tell those who have been invited to come for everything is now ready. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are invited. You are invited. You are invited. It's so good to know that you're invited. Isn't it? It's so good. So good. I got an invitation. Woo! It's good to know that you're invited. There's a banquet that God, God did all the work. He prepared everything. And you know what? He sent out his RSVP. And you're invited. You're invited. And Jesus wants us to know that. And that was a, that was a really important thing for me this week. As I was meditating. It was like on Tuesday. I was deciding to make each point in this message not just something I teach, but something I live. And I woke up, I woke up with a lot of, you know, depressing thoughts. Um, some of those thoughts of rejection, you know, some of those thoughts of inadequacy. I don't know if you've ever woke up like that, but I do. Uh, <clears throat> and, and I read this passage, and there's something that just I never thought about. is including to my identity. I need to include something that God says about me not what the world says about me, or not even what I say about me. I need to include something, what God says about me, to my day. And today, I'm going to walk around like I am an invited person. Whether or not you reject me, I know that I'm invited to the greatest banquet that has ever been experienced on this earth. And I've been to a lot of great banquets, like billion, like not billion, I've been to million dollar parties, right? Million dollar parties. In fact, I have some, some pictures of uh, some of the food that uh, people have, uh, I don't know, um, purchased for their guests. And so we got this first picture I want to show you. Is this, this is, I don't actually know what that is. It just looks expensive. Next picture. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, this one, I know exactly what this is. So, I mean, this, this is like chocolate chip, like midnight snack cookies. Like each, in, in, each individual cookie was placed on there. Like in that formation with that little cup, with that little milk. Next picture. In order to prepare for, for somebody to show up and enjoy. This is a cake. Um, just, I don't know. It's really fancy. Cake costs more than my life. Next. Um, uh, see, this, this, is a, this is like a, uh, these are centerpieces, right? There's like little tables and, and like places to sit and like every person is accounted for in this invitation. Like, when, when, you, when you are preparing a wedding, you are inviting somebody to experience what you think about them. 
and you want to honor your guest. And whoever this person is, they spent a lot of time making sure that there are handcrafted letters and numbers and flowers and orchids and chargers and plates and napkins and little mints that say meant to be together. And there's all kinds of <laughs> like little things to let you know that you're part of the most important day ever. Next picture, please. And th these are just like really, really gorgeous. More stasis. Next picture. Uh, I think you guys get the point at this point. Keep going. Oh, yeah. Your name is on there. Uh, next picture. So you can picture this banquet. I love macaroons. I really am a sucker for macaroons. So, all right. All right I think we're done with that. So, so when I think of myself as being invited to the greatest banquet, it doesn't really hurt as much when somebody doesn't text back or when I don't get the email response, or when I'm just feeling undervalued and underappreciated, I can at least remember that I'm invited to something way more prestigious than that. That the owner of whoever is making this banquet, well, I know it's God in the story, has prepared a place for me. And there's a portion of his banquet that I get to experience today. I'm invited. You are invited. You should take some, some relief in that, knowing that you're invited. Maybe this week, maybe let that be your word. It was my word last Tuesday. Walk around with confidence knowing that you are invited. Now, you're invited to what? You're invited to a banquet. Jesus is um, recalibrating people's understanding of heaven, and he wants people to know heaven is like a what? Banquet. Banquet. Right? I know in this society, we think heaven and hell are like these cute little, like hell is like, there's, you know, flames. Maybe it's like contained somehow and there's like some, you know, whatever. It's like got some really cool atmosphere, right? It's like Halloween on crack. And, um, <laughs> and there's little guys with like pitchforks and you get to party with your friends and maybe Satan's there too. And then, and then heaven is like really boring, like clouds, like cute little babies with you know, wings on their back and they're naked and they're like playing, they're playing harps and you're like, eternity, right, right? I don't think, that, I don't know if that's communicated in the Bible, but that's what I think people think when they think of heaven. And Jesus is talking about heaven being a banquet. And if you guys are foodies, you will love heaven. You will love it. It is so awesome, and I don't know, but Jesus is the only one who does, and he's the one who says it's like a banquet. So you're invited to that. And I'm going, shoot. <laughs> yeah, that might have just like tipped the scale for some of you guys. Some atheist in this room is like, what? <laughs> Pork chop? Yes! You're invited. You are invited. Well, let me tell you something. Accepting an invitation doesn't mean that you'll come I know, I know. Accepting an invitation doesn't mean that you will actually show up. I know, isn't that true? Because sometimes we make excuses. And it's time that we prioritize our priorities and excuse our excuses. Because you're invited to heaven, but not your excuses. You're invited to participate in God's best for your life, but not your excuses. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. 
The first said, I have to. Well, <clears throat> I, I've just bought a field. Okay, 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 okay. This cracks me up. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Pause. I'm not a real estate guy or anything like that. I barely just bought a condo. But I would never buy anything without seeing it first. Right? I just bought land. I must go see it. Lame excuse. First of all, this is not like, the, like this is not them responding to the RSVP. These people RSVP. The way people threw banquets in this society is that they sent their RSVP out months and months and months, kind of like our society does that. But because of, you know, you know, growing, like, you know, taking care of a lamb, growing it up, killing it, and making sure that it shows up, uh, you know, well and ripe uh, that day or whatever, you know, make, cutting down the trees and, like, making, like, wood stumps so, so you can, you know, pass out cheese platters. Like, the, the, the way, like, I don't know what they did, but it was a whole lot more work than, you know, getting an event coordinator and making sure that happened. So, like, they had to, like, raise the chickens, you know, get the eggs, you know, make the food from scratch. So they never actually knew what time of day the event was going to start. Fair enough? All right, yeah, okay. So you would set out the RSVP, and people would wait until the time would come. And so on that day, when the servant said, okay, now it's time to come to the banquet, then you'd be like, sweet, or make excuses, like I got to go look at a piece of land that I just bought. You know, and that's what happened, okay? So it's not that they weren't invited. They just were too busy. Oh, that, that excuse. I'm busy. I hate that one. <laughs> All right. Because um, that's the biggest excuse I heard in 2016. How's, how was things in your life? Oh, busy. <laughs> so, so busy. All right. That's like, did you hear that a lot? Raise your hand if you heard that a lot in 2016. How are you doing? Busy. Well, I didn't ask you to come hang out with me. I'm so sorry. Like, so, so sorry for wasting your time by talking to you. You must be really busy. Um, anyways, 19. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them. Again, oxen is a heavy, heavy investment. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't try them out after you bought them anyways. But they were kind enough to say, please excuse me. There's no excuse. Um, still, another said, now this last, ex- this last example, verse 20, please. Still, another said, I just got married, so I can't come. My wife won't let me go. <laughs> so, I mean, again, this is a family man. You know, clearly he cares about his family. He can't come. But he, here's the thing. He doesn't even ask for an excuse. It's almost like the, the, the word here, uh, I can't come, is more like, quit bothering me. I mean, just, he does not cle- clearly he does not realize what he's been invited into. You know why he doesn't realize what he has been invited into? Because the worries of his life took priority over the most important party of his life. And he will regret it for eternity. They began to make excuses. Again, the question that we're asking is, what excuses are you making? What excuses am I making that's keeping me from experiencing the portion that God has prepared for me? 
both now and for eternity because eternity begins the moment we follow Jesus, not when the moment we fall down. Eternity begins the moment we follow Jesus. So what excuses are you making that's keeping you from experiencing the fullness of the portion that God has for your life? I can tell you the excuse Moses had. He had a fear of public speaking. Speaking, clearly. (laughs) Rightly so. Moses in uh, Exodus 4.10 says this. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. Pause. Eloquent people don't use the word eloquent. Unpause. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and who makes them blind? It is I. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. So take that, Momo. Right? Moses had a lame excuse. And God is like, well, I mean, first of all, he clearly didn't understand who he was talking to. He was talking to the creator of his mouth. And God was calling in calling him to lead a movement of passionate Christ Jewish people out of, out of Egypt and into freedom. God called him to do something greater than he thought he could accomplish on his own. God called him to lead people out of bondage and into freedom. I remember... Um, when I was called to ministry, uh, and I, I did not think I could do what I felt like I was called to do. So I can agree with Moses to some extent. You know, public speaking is very difficult. And for some, some I mean, I'm sure that's, that, that could be a reason for some people in this, in this room. The reason why you're not going to experience the fullness of what God has for you may be the fact that you refuse to speak publicly. And that may be God's calling on your life. I don't know what it is. But that was for Moses. And for me, I was using the excuse of education. I, uh, I don't have like, like a huge educational background. Like, I didn't get good grades. I got a lot of Fs, and that didn't stand for fantastic. I wish it did. (laughs) Then I would have been fantastic. I was fantastic in high school. Um, I spent every summer in summer school because I was trying to keep up with the grade ahead of me. And finally, when I got the call to follow Jesus, I believed Jesus was calling me to be a pastor. But but that meant school. Lots of school. It just didn't stop. It just kept coming. Lots of English. I didn't even know how to type when I started college. I had to take a typing class. I didn't even know what a Scantron was. I went to a school for kids with learning disabilities and behavioral problems. I have massive ADHD and I take medicine for it. This was a dream that I I didn't believe I could accomplish without God's help. 
So, so I went to Rocky Peak, and I saw all the pastors with their degrees. They were so intelligent, and they were teaching Greek from Sunday church, big church. And I just thought, man, I'm, not, I'm never going to be that guy. And I'm still not. But, but I was intimidated, and I decided to, to run from that calling in my, on my life. So I, 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 um, <clears throat> I joined YWAM. And that, that's just my, my story. I joined YWAM. And, um, and while I was at this church in uh, Hillsong in Australia, uh, I was hearing this guy by the name of Tommy Barnett from the Dream Center talk about living a God-sized dream. And this is like, and here's the thing, I'm from Rocky Peak, and Rocky Peak back in the day was way toned down than what it is today. And I've never heard people shout or raise their hands or clap in church like that. And, and this guy was, like, preaching with his, like, southern, like, Pentecostal, like, if you want to live a God-sized dream, like, I was like, how many syllables are in dream? Like, I think I counted, like, how did that even happen? And then once I got over that, I started paying attention. I want you to come down to the altar so I can pray for you. And in my mind, the whole time he's preaching about a God-sized dream, and what that is is living, you know, living out a dream that can't be accomplished on my own strength. It, it can only be accomplished with God's help. So it's literally a position like that I choose to put myself in that I know that I cannot complete without the work of the Holy Spirit intervening. And I knew the whole time, school, school, grad school, seminary. I'm like, who's going to, how am I going to be a pastor without education? And God's like, no, you're going to get an education. And I'm like, man, I think I got to come back and pursue being a pastor and live out a dream that I know that I can't accomplish on my own. So I came down, I ran down there, you know, so he's like, who wants to live a God-sized dream? Go ahead and stand up and come to the altar. I'm like, I want to live a God-sized dream. I'm like crying. And it's like, I don't cry, but that was the day that I started crying. And I just cried, you know, I just went to the altar, put my head down, and I'm like, Jesus, whatever you want to do, I will, I will fail and flunk as many classes you want me to fail and flunk. I will work my butt off, because uh, I use that word when I pray, you know, to... To just be the person that you've called me to be. I don't care. I'm just going to recklessly abandon myself to your calling, and I don't care how it turns out. You figure that part out. I'll just obey the next step. And that's exactly what Moses did, and that's what happened to me because I came back and I graduated with my bachelor's in organizational leadership development in 2009. And today is my last year. This year is my last year of grad school where I'll get my master's in apologetics. But God did not stop. He doesn't, right? See, education is the first part, but then I showed up to Soma, and he's called me to lead a movement. Now that's a whole nother level. A movement of passionate Christ followers who are serving sacrificially? College students who serve sacrificially, that's almost a joke. 
but not this group. 80% of the people that are sitting around you are either serving in one ministry or another. They're either serving in this ministry or middle school or whatever. Or even Soma, yeah. (laughs) Serving sacrificially, a movement of people who are pursuing God. A movement of people who are loving one another. A movement of people who are sharing Christ with their mouth. Like, I know, it sounds crazy. (laughs) What excuses are you using? Does God have the freedom to disrupt your plans this year? Will you let 2017 be different from 2016? And stop making excuses and start experiencing the benefits of God's presence. Remember, accepting an invitation is only the beginning. It's not the end. Because just because you've been invited doesn't mean that you'll show up. Will you decide to excuse your excuses so that there's nothing keeping you from experiencing God's calling on your life this year? Maybe it it takes rearranging your 2017 calendar to reflect your values, your priorities. I'm going to invite the band up as we close. What are the excuses that you're holding on to? What are the excuses that you're holding on to today? There's three things I want to invite you to. There's three things you need to understand. Three things. Three last things, then I'll let you guys hang for a little bit. The first, number one, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you. I want you to know you're invited to follow Jesus. Even if you don't believe everything he, he said, even if you don't believe everything about the Bible, you're only responsible to follow what you know. Follow what you know. Let the rest come later. Number two, I want you to be an inviter who wants to see God's house full. If you're sitting in a seat next to a seat that's empty, or look across the room and just see an empty seat, I want you to think of somebody that needs to be invited to the banquet. Here's a safe place. And most importantly, you are a safe place for them. I want you to be an inviter. And lastly, during this last worship song, what's the God-sized dream for you in 2017? I want you to answer that question. I don't want you to leave here without answering that question because that will make all the difference in how you choose to prioritize your time and how, what excuses you choose to use or, or not to use to do the very thing that God has called you to do. What is the God-sized dream for you in 2017? Go ahead and stand. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that right now that you reveal to us the God-sized dream in, in our hearts, that we would stop making excuses that's keeping us from experiencing the fullness of what you have for us this year that we would not make excuses 
gift from experiencing the fullness of what you have for our campuses this year, for CSUN, for Moore Park, for Pierce, for our families, for our work. I pray against the excuses that they would fall by the wayside and we would start being honest and hold out our hands and hold out our hearts and say, Jesus, have your way in 2017. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my class. Have your way in my ministry that I will do anything at all all costs. Though it costs me everything, respond to the invitation you invited me to participate in you invited me to participate in the banquet I pray that you would help me experience the fullness of that and not allow my excuses to get in the way I pray against anything that is filling my calendar or filling my schedule that does not belong there. I pray that you would take it out. Give me the courage to say no so that I can have the courage to say yes to you. In Jesus' name.